1: So I can't really go back. I mean, I was a fan and I knew of him, but I can't be like, oh, why didn't I go see him and board in the USA when I was five years old? So I feel okay yeah. about that. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say is my brother and I, who's another super fan, often talk about it like a surfer, where yeah. like you're chasing that perfect wave. And we've been to so many shows. We've caught a few of those perfect yeah. waves. And you're like, well, you should be able to retire after that. But no, you have to chase the next perfect wave after that.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is a fellow podcaster, a um, a journalist, and a Springsteen fan, Jason. Welcome to the show.
1: How's it going? I am... A podcaster, journalist, Springsteen fan.
2: Yes, you are. (laughs) Which is what? Which is good because you're here. Uh, Jason Harris, uh, tell us a little about yourself.
1: Uh, Let's see. Well, I grew up in New Jersey, so I guess uh, by birthright, I have to be a Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, Yes. I live in Las Vegas. I am also a a filmmaker and comedian. Um, As a journalist, I wrote about music and food for over a decade. And, uh, yeah, we our podcast is called Awesome Movie Year. It's myself, film critic Josh Bell. We, each season, we pick a year. We break it down why it was an awesome movie year, and each episode's a different movie of that year, whether it's Best Picture, Biggest Box Office Flop, Future Cult Classic, Foreign film. So we have a lot of fun with that.
2: Yeah, I think I was just exploring your website, and it, and it looks like a fun concept, right? Like you go, okay, well, we've obviously – you know got to talk the box office champ and then we got to talk about failures but you know you guys looks like you guys each pick a favorite film of that year
1: yeah uh, and yeah. so
2: that way you kind of have a uh, fun to talk about and so um it's a it's a wide palette to kind of paint your conversations
1: i think you're right i think we do a uh pretty thorough job of giving you a uh kind of overall impression of what was going on in that year. Um, and, you know, we'll do a couple bonus episodes here and there if we felt like we missed something major mm-hmm. that we needed to talk about from it. So we have done – we're just finishing season five, I think. So we've okay. done 1994, 2007, 1989, 2006 – no, not 2006, 1996. And now we're in um, – 1977 wow i did not do a good job of remembering my podcast no you
2: actually did a pretty good job i uh yeah I, 1977 was the year i graduated from high school so i was looking like oh yeah that's a great year so and uh, of course the star wars is the big you know movie that year
1: sure star wars close encounters you know yeah. uh smoking the bandit saturday night fever Lots of yeah, biggies that here. Absolutely,
2: so. that's cool. That's
1: cool. But also, you know, as a as a Bruce Super fan, man, I mean, did you get to go Darkness seventy eight? Did you just hit that tour a lot as much um, as you could?
2: Or no? Um, as I've shared in the past, um, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana. My dad was in the army, but basically um, Lake Charles, Louisiana, and had no concept of you know the few times i was an am radio kid so the few times uh my friends in high school would talk about you know nova 104 um it was like but you don't know any of the songs you can't sing along and so i did not truly uh discover bruce till probably 1980 when uh a friend of my girlfriend at the time now my wife had gone to school on the east coast and she came back you know talking about this guy named bruce springsteen so i remember picking up the river like everyone else in 1984 you know bought born in the usa um but i really was a casual fan um till 2002 which was the first year i saw him i went and saw him finally here in dallas on the rising tour And Jason, I often say there's two kinds of people, the people that go to their first Springsteen show and go, wow, that was long. And the second one is, oh my goodness, where has this guy been all my life? And now I want to go to every show from ever and Uh, ever.
1: I could only imagine like knowing that you missed – You missed the Darkness Tour, the River Tour, the Board in the USA Tour. Well, and I do.
2: Like, I sit there. I'm in Lake Charles, Louisiana is where my high school is, a little north of Lake Charles. So that's only three hours from Houston. And you know, in, you know, 75, 76, 77, when I was in high school, he was playing smaller clubs in Houston. Sure. Right? And so you're like, okay, now how do you – um, go back in time, like get in the TARDIS or get in the Wayback Machine, and tell a 15 year old Jesse, like, okay, get a fake ID, find someone to drive you to Houston, and go see this guy perform. Uh, I, there are a lot of things I talk about. I, I, you know, all of us have regrets in our lives, but um, whenever someone says, "What would you go back and tell your, you know, 16 year old self?" I'd like one, um, exercise more because you're the thinnest you're ever going to be right now. And you think you're a fat kid, but trust me, you're going to get bigger. So exercise more, um, learn to play the guitar and three, um, go look up this guy named Bruce Springsteen and go buy these albums. Um, because.
1: Well, Hey man, you know, uh, You got to have some regrets because you you can relate to certain other Springsteen characters better than others.
2: Well, exactly. And also, Jason, what I say it is, um, I don't know if you're a sports fan, but like when there's a football game and someone misses an extra point, you feel like the team's chasing that extra point the rest of the game. I feel like if you didn't, no matter when you get to Bruce live, whether it was like, okay, I went and saw him like in the darkness tour, or I saw him in the first river tour, you know, I saw him in the born SUA tour whenever you're always like, Oh, I wish I could have seen him earlier. In fact, uh, go ahead.
1: Well, no, I mean, I think it was so just for reference sake, I first saw him when I was in college, which was the reunion tour, the E-union tour, if you will. Yeah. So um, so I can't really go back. I mean, I was a fan and I knew of him, but I can't be like, oh, why didn't I go see him and board in the USA when I was five years old? So I feel okay yeah. about that. But the one thing I'll say is my brother and I, who's another super fan, often talk about it like a surfer where like you're chasing that perfect wave. And we've been to so many shows. We've caught a few of those perfect waves. And you're like, well, you should be able to retire after that. But no, you have to chase the next perfect wave after that.
2: So kind of jumping ahead. Right. Um, I always like to preface this question with uh, the amount of shows you've gone to is not a fair barometer of what kind of fan you are right? Because sure. circumstances and age and economics and where you live. But for the record, do you know how many shows you've gone to?
1: I lost count at 50. Okay. Um, so I lost count at 50. I've seen him all over the U.S. and Ireland. I followed him for about for three shows in Ireland, which was awesome. That was a great way. We, okay. we flew in at Dublin where he wasn't playing, and then wherever he was playing, we just – drove and that was a great way to see the country i got to perform in dublin also as a comedian oh that's so yeah so um my first show was one of the classics which was hartford i think it was may eighth, 2000 which was one of the, the the major bangers of the reunion tour yeah um some of the other like for super bruce fans i was at the um Both the last two uh, Shea Stadium shows for the reunion—I mean, for the um, Rising Tour—I was in two thousand and eight. The the St. Louis show, which is regarded as a classic, I did Buffalo on uh, the Working on the Dream tour. Mm -hmm. So I've caught like some amazing, amazing, and I did Fenway. So that was probably. Have
2: have you ever have you ever gone to my boss time the website? I haven't been there. No. Okay. So anyway, that's, if you feel like going down a rabbit hole uh, my boss time is um, it is a database where it has listed every show, every tour he's ever done. And so you create a free account and then you go, Oh, I was at that show. Oh, I was at that show. And then behind the scenes, it will calculate, um, what song you've heard the most, what song you've heard the least, what were your personal premieres, what are the rarities you've That's seen. That's cool. Yeah, that yeah, would be yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to check that out. Yeah. But you said you grew up in Jersey. I always like to go to the beginning. Sure. Um, talk to me about growing up. What kind of music did you listen to? Was your family into music?
1: Yeah, so my mom and dad are old hippies. Um, my dad actually followed the great Grateful Dead around for a while so when I kind of followed started following Bruce and like other people and the family were like he's got to get a job he's got to do this my dad was like I can't really tell him to do that because I did the same thing with the Grateful Dead so they
2: um it's a family tradition like so, uh, Jr. I can't, hey I man, guess, yeah.
1: you gotta you gotta you know you gotta go after what you believe in artistically so my um they were Beatles people, I'd say, you know, more than anything. But I remember a lot of Beatles, a lot of Janis Joplin, a lot of Simon and Garfunkel. My dad is a lot of folk music, too. As far as the Springsteen stuff, uh, my earliest memory is, like, literally when I was four years old. I mean, I, like I said, you know, not only did I grow up in New Jersey, but at that time that was born in the USA. So, you know, you know it was like, it was Bruce. Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, Cyndi Lauper, probably the big five of the rock and roll uh, team out there. And I remember loving Born in the USA already as like a four or five-year-old. The album that we had at the house was the live 75 to 85 on record. So um, that was cool. But also, you know, my parents, uh, you know, they love like Van Morrison Mm -hmm. and the band. So like a lot of stuff that, you know, we know Bruce either has been influenced by or uh, relates to really well. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's kind of uh, my musical upbringing. I started writing about music in Las Vegas for magazines when I was probably either late twenties, early thirties. And I've seen pretty much every big, big band that there is to see. At this point.
2: How did you get from Jersey to Vegas?
1: We moved out in the middle of high school and I, you know, kept knocking around here and there wherever and then I ended up I kept ending up back in Las Vegas it's a very easy lifestyle good good lifestyle for a comedian and you know once I started writing it was like well I get to see every band that there is sure now I get to cover every good restaurant that there is right now you know so um, yeah I feel fortunate that I mean I couldn't tell you how many bands i've seen or what yeah. but i mean you know you'll hear something on the radio and you'll be like oh yeah i saw them you know or oh, something that's right.
2: so so jason did you can you obviously it sounds like you're a very big fan of a lot of kind of music a lot of diversity but what about bruce puts him on that higher level
1: I think I was also, I was a casual fan, you know, in college and, you know, and up until then. And I kind of, I think at the end of high school maybe really started getting into him darkness and born to run were the first two that I connected with. But when I went to that first show, like, I mean, you, you know, all the books you read or stories you've heard about first shows, like, it sounds like a cliche, but it's absolutely true. Like, right. So like it was like time stood still and I remember watching it and I was like, okay, I'm going to quit college right now. And I did, I quit college. I wasn't happy where I was. I took a year off to write and then I went back and I finished college, but it was seeing what Bruce Springsteen was able to do on stage, like um, the, the power of it and um, the energy of it. I was like, I have to go do something. Right now. Yeah.
2: Life. I mean, I, I did not quit my um, job, but it was, I, 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 say that all the time in the podcast and I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, you know, uh, you either go, wow, that was a long show or you go, Oh my goodness. What, what is this? And it, it opened up another world to me. And uh, uh you know, I I've told the story more m- multiple times on the podcast, Jason, that, you know, I, I felt like because I had not done my homework, like I had not listened to the rising CD over and over again so um, a lot of the songs I didn't know um, you know this wasn't like I think the reunion tour would have been a good tour for me to go see right because I would have known a lot of the hits Um, and I was just like oh I want to know I want to know and it what I've said often is like you've either you've walked halfway into a movie or you've picked up um, an issue of a really well-written comic book. And you're like, okay, I'm enjoying this story, but there's a whole nother world out there that I haven't seen.
1: Sure. But that's okay. Like the reunion tour is an amazing tour because he was doing so much from the catalog, but don't yeah. forget, he was also doing stuff from tracks and no one's ever heard before. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You know, bringing out roulette for the first time in 28 years yeah. or whatever it was. Right. He did over a hundred songs, you know, on that tour. So I, I was in that case where like, like I, similarly I was a casual fan I knew the big songs I knew some yeah. other stuff but like there was so much like that I needed to learn and go back to and yeah. that that was what opened it up for me so but you know so by the time the the rising you know I, yeah. I, at that point I, I knew everything in the catalog but sure. um but yeah I think I mean but that's okay like I mean sometimes you go see a band and you might know nothing about them and it's your you know you can still feel an energy or how they connect with an audience or, you know, what it is. I mean, you know, a good song when you hear one, but really it's beyond the music to me, it's the way that he connects with the audience. Right. Right. So that's, that's kind of what did it for me. I was, I've still never seen anyone connect like that. And I, like I said, I do stand up. I have seen plenty of shows on Broadway. I've covered, Music for decade or for a decade, so it's he's a singular performer, and that's you know we all know that
2: yeah, um kind of I'm going to take a left turn here, but um you mentioned stand up, how are you doing with the pandemic? I mean, how are things going there oh uh, I'm retired no um, yeah, exactly it, it does feel like I'm
1: retired there's nothing there's really nothing There was a couple of zoom shows, but i didn't want to get started on those because. Um, you know, again, I mean, and maybe it's an influence. My grandfather was also a comedian of 60 years, but uh, 60 plus years, but maybe it's a Springsteen influence, but I like to connect with my crowd. I feel like that's a strength of what I do. And I do a lot of ad-libbing and, you know, kind of off the top of my head stuff and interacting. So I just didn't want to go down that path. For some people it's right. For some people it's not. And I think there might be something coming up that I'll put together where we're going to do outdoor shows, but it's still not really realistic to come back all the way. Yeah.
2: I'm a big fan of Penn Jillette, Penn and Teller, but specifically Penn podcast, you know, and they've talked a lot about, you know, Matt Donnelly and Godot, you know, um, met Don Lee's a comedian, you know, yeah, no, a he's a, he's a,
1: he's a buddy of mine. actually. Oh, okay. Very yeah.
2: nice. Yeah. So, you know, and they're, they're talking about right. Like, what do you do? You know, how, how do you figure this out? And it's uh, it's a crazy time. And
1: uh... yeah, you just got to look to, I mean, what I try to do is just put all my creative energy elsewhere, you know, right. whether, I mean, I've done a ton of writing. Um, we just knocked out a short film. I should finish my, second or third feature script coming up well since this has started and then you know um I have a young daughter who's back in school so I, and she's doing school at the house yeah. which <clears throat> which is good I'm glad that she's doing that because I don't think schools are ready to be open yet but it, it's a lot of work not just for her for the parents too so you know that's uh that's it's the crazy world and hey we all know it
2: so. yeah you you mentioned a couple times as a writer and one of the things you when you sent me an email um you mentioned like you had been lucky enough to interview both uh steven and neil so talk to me a little bit about that
1: well so i i didn't interview nils i've covered a couple of Nils shows and okay. nil and i and nils has tweeted me before he knows i've reviewed it and he likes the reviews which is oh, nice. nice that is yeah nice. Um, I, and so I, yeah, I, I met Nils and Roy briefly, but Stephen, man, I interviewed Stephen Van Zandt. It was awesome, man. It was about, it was probably like, so it was one of those days where he was running around and it was, um, for the disciples of soul tour. So he yeah. actually gave me like his, his cell phone number oh, and I had to call him while he was on like the plane or right before it was taken off. And, um, <clears throat> we talked almost an hour, 45 minutes or more. And, there's just so much I wanted to know. And I, there's so much I didn't get to ask him, you sure. know, um, I got to ask him a lot about his solo work and a lot about the stuff with the E street band, which was fascinating and awesome and amazing. And, um, but I didn't get to ask him much about acting. I didn't get to ask him much about Southside Johnny. I didn't get to ask yeah. him much about producing other acts or even, uh, you know, the underground garage because, I mean, dude, who's led a more fascinating life than that guy, right?
2: Yeah, and, you know, when he was producing, when he was promoting, uh, you know, the, the two albums he did over the past couple of years and the tour, he's done a lot of press. And it's been interesting to hear him share that he and Bruce now tell young bands, don't break up. Like, you know, like, you know, take it from us. You can, you can go do all you want individually, but keep that band there so you can come back.
1: Yeah, I think that's cool. And I mean, also, you know, play live is the other big thing that they say, right? But yeah, no, you know, I I get that. I get that. Um, Uh You know, with, as a screenwriter, with my last writing partner, there were always things we wanted to do separately. And I think that caused us to, eventually break up but with right. the partner I'm writing with now it's at a more mature place I'm really enjoying what we're doing but if either of us had a solo project I would support that and yeah I think you would too so it's cool but um if I can tell a a funny Steven story real Please fast Please do. Um so I went to meet him backstage when he was doing the show at the House of Blues out here and um a buddy of mine you mentioned comic books jh williams the yeah. uh, the very famous comic book artist sure um i took him and he uh brought a bunch of you know stuff that he's drawn and that he's written uh or that you know he um uh, uh, he's you know so he's he brought yeah. the sandman stuff he brought like really yeah. big stuff right and we're just J.H., you could tell, is nervous. I'm not, because, like, I, you know, I had already interviewed him one, and, like, yeah. I feel like, naturally, I just talk to people, right? Sure. So, Stephen, we're just talking and and everything, and uh, eventually uh, he sees J.H. with the books, right? And uh, he goes, well, well, what do you got there? You know? And Yeah, oh, that's
2: a pretty good, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, J.H. nervously is like, sir, I'm a big fan of yours, and uh, I'm a comic book artist, and I just – Wanted to give you some of my work, and I hope you will enjoy it. And uh, Stephen looks at him and just gets this like st- very Stephen look to- on his face, and he goes, uh, "What do you call these? Uh, graphic novels?" And I was just <laughs> like, "Perfect! That is a perfect interaction with Stephen." That is there, right? that would I would love that.
2: I would <laughs> yeah. love that.
1: It's a perfect answer. So, Yo, you know. that's
2: that's great. That is yeah. that's that's that is classic. Um, I was lucky enough a couple weeks ago. Um, through Twitter, Marine Van Zant reached out to me uh, and said, "Sure, I'll be on the show." And so I was able to spend Whoa. about forty minutes talking to her. And what was great is, you know, similar to you, I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about her. I want to talk about, you know, her time on the Sopranos and her early ballet and, you know, her career. And um, it was a nice interview. I, I was really happy with it. And later she tweeted me and said, Hey, I think people are disappointed. You didn't ask me more stuff about the band. Do we want to oh, do yeah. this again? I'm like, yes, yes, we do. Uh, I funny. won't mind that. Yeah, that that is good.
1: One of my favorite things from the Steven interview was I asked, I said, I asked him, I, He's literally, I think, the only rock star, I think, who's had a career with two nicknames, right? Right. Miami and then Little Steven. And I asked him about that, and he's you know, he's like, Miami was the party guy in the band. And when Little Steven came out, he had to be a front man and a little more serious. So it's kind of funny, or interesting, at least, how he kind of worked those personas out.
2: I am so glad you answered that, because uh, one of my best friends, when he said, okay, you're going to talk to Marie Van Zandt, you need to ask her, why did he change the nickname? And I'm like, oh, I can't ask her that. And at one point in the interview, she said, no, 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 you could ask me some band stuff. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I want to talk about you. I said, but for my friend, um, he wants to know, did you marry Miami Steve or little Steven, you know? And she said, kind of both (laughs) she goes like i guess i'm a bigamist because i ended up he was transitioning and so i ended up marrying both yeah Which i think which with goes perfect with your answer of him explaining how he was
1: yeah yeah he's a fascinating uh person i really enjoyed that
2: i love his twitter um he's very political but also um very like i i like his idea of you know he'll say you know we need two parties. This is we. This is how we argue. Is how we get things done. Just not the modern Republican Party. Well, it's it's, it's broken. Yeah, that's exactly. another
1: podcast. I mean, th- theoretically, sure we do, but it's all broken now anyway. Yeah, so, it is. It know. is
2: broken. Um, talk to me a little bit. Um, why did you guys? How did you come up? So it's awesome movie year podcast. How, how did you come up with that concept to pick one year and kind of look at it from all different kinds of ways?
1: There's a good book called I think it's called Best Movie Year Ever, and it was all about 1999. And I I, I was looking for I had done a few other podcasts, and Josh, mm-hmm. who's my co-host, you know, he and I have been best friends for, since high school, and yeah. he's a film critic. I'm a filmmaker. We've we've kind of you know. We, we've written stuff together and uh, we were looking for something interesting. And, you know, it kind of stemmed from there. And Josh was, you know, his thing was, look, this book's already been written. But what if we looked at any given year and, you know, kind of had categories that were in place for us so we could kind of really feel out what was in that year. And then we could kind of put our own categories in there so we can kind of expand on it. And from the very I'm not a fan of our. Uh, Episode one, which is the Lion King, I think that's our very rough episode, but really from episode two on, like, I feel like we hit a group very early on, at least, you know, with our format, and who we are, and our interaction, and, uh, yeah, that, that, it's just been, like, a project I'm really proud of, and I hope people check it out, it's, like I said, it's an awesome movie year, it's on uh, any, any podcasting platform that you have.
2: Jason, how do you pick which year you're going to discuss?
1: It's a good question. Um, we do so much research, man. Like, yeah. um, you know, 94, which was the first season, was one we both wanted to do right away because um, we were teenagers and it was a seminal year. You had yeah. you had Clerks, you had, uh, you know, uh, Pulp Fiction, you had Forrest Gump. You know, yeah. there's a lot of biggies in there. And then after that, um, you know, we kind of talk a lot of things. 2007 was – a big year for Josh. 89, I knew would be a big year because that was Batman, Do the Right Thing, stuff like that. Sure. Like, you you know, when you talk about... Indiana
2: Jones, yeah.
1: Yeah, that... Uh, three, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, third but, one. Yeah, yeah, so... So, and then, you know, kind of 96 to me was like the greatest year for Oscar movies that there was. So that's how we got to there. And then 77, you had mentioned Star Wars and we kind of took off yeah. from there. But we have a lot of... We've researched... Probably four or five seasons into the future already. So,
2: do you think you'll go back to classic? Like, because often thirty nine yeah. is considered. You know, many people make the argument thirty nine is because uh, isn't that Casablanca, Gone with the Wind? Uh, you know, there there's a whole slew of you know great movies. Do you, yes. guys, do you yeah. think you'll want to go back that cl- far? Or? We are
1: gonna do. We are gonna do it. We've talked about thirty nine. Um, part of it is, you know, we want to make sure that our audience is with us, you know, so we want to, you know, kind of build up as much, um, of a relationship as to what we're doing, because look, we get it, you know, like not everything is going to be the easiest and most accessible stuff for everyone. Right. Right. So, yeah. but so 39's in there and we have two other that we've already, uh, talked about years I would say from in between 39 and 77 that are on the okay. list one of which is planned out and will be soon and you know the thing is we're both we we're both 80s kids and you know so we have a reverence for the 80s and the sure. 90s and um, the 2000s or you know we were young adults so but going back like 77 has been awesome I mean and I'm the I one bet. the next one that we have planned which will, uh, which is from before that is I'm super excited for. So yeah, like anything's fair game to me. So
2: that's neat. Um, a couple of stories of 89. Um, my, my son was born in February of 89 and, um, we, I remember I started in a new job and we were really busy, uh, Jason, so, like, I was coming to work, like, at 10 a.m. and working till 11 at night. You know, I, I was working in a call center, and we just were, you, we could not, we were so, we were so short-staffed, and um, and <laughs> when Batman came out, um, I went to an early showing, and my shift was 3 to 11, and I didn't show up to, like, you know, 1.30, 2 o'clock, for that day and one of the team leads just chewed me out like where have you been i'm like i went saw batman what do you think yeah. i'm doing right yeah. uh and like it, this is my sh- you know i'm not late for my shift um i said and oh by the way when the new indiana jones films comes in i'm gonna do the same thing right uh so i that's those that's a happy memories
1: That's good because movie theaters don't exist anymore. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But no, it's, that's one of the great things about the, uh, for me, the podcast is like, you know, look, if there are things that we've missed from those years, like it's a great way to go back and find them. Right. And there are definitely certain big films that are in our memory that are like, what? I thought, I remember liking this. What happened here? And then of course you find some just hidden gems out there that are like fantastic movies, you yeah. know, um, that you would have never known about otherwise. Yeah. So, um, and even just doing the research on the years, which like I said, is super, uh, you know, I'd say intensive and, you know, time yeah. consuming, like you can kind of put together an even further more detailed plan from there. If that's, you know, oh, I
2: bet, I imagine. Well, speaking of hidden gems, are there, favorite songs or albums of Bruce's that have meant a lot to you over the years with your family or maybe with yourself?
1: I think I gravitate most towards darkness. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I, I just feel like that one just, uh, maybe it's like I said, I grew up in a working class neighborhood in New Jersey. So, right? but I, you know, like, it's like, you know, that was the, I guess that kind of like foundational piece uh, after born to run, you know, sure. so, Absolutely. but, but so, I mean, you know, honestly, like, I mean, that's what I gravitate towards most, but you know, wild, innocent. Like I know, I know those places. I know that world, you know, cause yeah. you know, I, I spent plenty of time on the Jersey shore and born to run probably when I was in college was like the album of like young man going through emotional strife, like having to figure out his place in the world, I mean, you know, look, I can argue for any of these albums, right? You know, yeah, but, exactly. But I think Darkness for me, uh, one to ten, is just like man, it's just a monster and a monster live. So,
2: um, well, give me thoughts on uh, the latest two, Ghost yeah. and Letter to You, yeah,
1: Letter to You, and Ghosts came out today. And, yes, it uh, did. I'm kind of excited about the way you know, like you know, from everything. I read the Rolling Stone article and he's saying, you know, we're not doing overdubs and they were just in the studio recording it, I guess, yeah. most like the way they did Darkness in the River, right? Where it's just the whole band in the studio and they're banging it out until they get it right, which is maybe one take, maybe 20 takes, who knows, maybe a hundred.
2: <laughs> one of, um, a, a guy who's been on the podcast who is a Springsteen historian, he was critical of that. He said that, what do you mean you recorded an album in five, she used to take you five months and it, you know, it sounds like, you know, crap. You didn't surprise me, Bruce. I thought he was a little harsh. On the um, news stuff you mean? Yeah. He, you know, like for letter to you, he was like, Oh, it's crap. And I was, I thought once again, and I'm I do a Springsteen podcast, right? So I'm going to be uh, apologetics for the guy, right? I'm, I'm biased, but you know, one, I don't think he has anything to prove Two, I think he's done it all the way he wants to do it. And I could see them getting ahead of little Steven and Neils and, and Roy and, and, you know, Gary and everyone and say, Hey, you know what, let's just all get together and record.
1: Let's well, see what we I can mean, do in
2: four days. Right. That's how in they did face. the set.
1: That's how they did the sessions band. Right. So, right. you know, but the other thing is this, right? Like, yes, okay it took him however long you know whatever six months born to run and this and that but even he said he wasn't happy with the final product he would always be tinkering with it right? there were overlays and everything that he needed to hear come out of his head but part of that is also like technology now is so much you know different than it was back then right And, and a lot of the stuff they were doing back then they were trying to find kind of that those walls that sound reverberated on that were in soft walls, you know, yeah. so it kind of has that, but also I want to, you know, my biggest counter argument to what that gentleman was, what, and I didn't hear it. So I don't know, but based yeah. on what you said is like, look, dude, I'll, I'll take loose ends on the river outtakes over loose ends on tracks any day of the week. I want yeah. it dirty and I want it real and I want it, as close to live sounding as possible. Right. Yeah. So don't sweeten it. Don't clean it for me. Give it to me. That's what I. that's, you know, prove it 78. Right. Like, you know, you just uh-huh. get into that. It's visceral. You feel something visceral about right. that. And that's kind of what I want to feel. Um, and like you said, like, dude, like, I mean, he just put out an amazingly polished album last year. So it's, uh, it's yeah. nice that they're doing you know, getting a little more raw again.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, um, he has nothing to prove. He decided he wanted, you know, I I loved Western stars. I know not everyone did. It's a very different album, but I think it's a beautiful album. I think it's great that it's 70. You want to do something different. And now then, you know, at 71, you know, it's a new Eastern band album. How cool is that?
1: I mean, I mean, you can hear that both of those songs are going to be, you know, great live songs, right? Yes, and hopefully absolutely. we'll get to it. Hopefully we'll get them, you know, and I know he wants to go
2: out on tour. Yes, it so. sounds like really does in oh, that interview. Um, right.
1: But, uh, you know, one other thing, just real fast on sure, that is please. like, look, when The Rising came out, it was like pretty much regarded as a masterpiece. And to me, the most, the first real important piece of art post nine eleven, right? Right. But, and then you got Magic which like maybe had critical acclaim, but I don't think mass acclaim until like years later. And now, if you go back and listen to Magic, like with what we're living through, it's like prophetic, yeah. man. And it's, it's a great album. Sorry that I cursed there. That's okay. Um, and then you know I don't know. I love I love I personally love Wrecking Ball, which is a totally Me different too. thing. So you know he's doing different things, and I'm I'm all in on it, dude. So I'm excited yeah. by what I've heard. You know, I like both these songs. I'm not sure either is like uh going, you know, end up as like an all-time great for me, but we have so many but I, hey dude, we got seven more and then and then I'm really excited for Janie needs a shooter cuz that's always been a, a Yeah, how lost cool is that, right?
2: Me. Jason, let's say we get out of this mess. We have a we've got a vaccine, things are back to this new normal. You're heading to a new show Are there songs you haven't heard him perform live that you'd like to have him to hear? What are you chasing?
1: Uh, Yeah. You know what I want to hear is lonely night in the park from uh, the, the, uh, born to run deep cut section. And I I want to hear Janie off this and, you know, Mm -hmm. but I've always, I always thought that was a song. I don't know. I mean, God, there's, he must, must must've played it once, right? Lonely night in the park or something like that. I'd like to hear I I mean like I said, I've been to so many shows it's tough for me to like take right, no like, sure. normal like quote unquote set list on so something like yeah. Action in the Street, which he just played twice in 77 on the yeah the chicken scratch tour, like I'll take that, you know. But it's all like, you know, man, you get to the point where you're like, um you you're just selfishly like set list hoarding at that point, right? Oh, yeah. So you know, so um as far as like the big stuff. I think I've heard all the big stuff, but yeah, I would I would love to hear side two of Wild Innocent all the way through. You know, sure. yeah, so, that,
2: yeah, that would be great.
1: And otherwise, I I mean, I've seen and heard most of it. Uh, it would be look if he's ever gonna do like I've seen Prove It '78, which I love. That was a White Whale song, right? Yeah. So if he's ever gonna do Backstreets with '78 stuff again, that would be awesome. But sure. But I've seen him do it with the Dream Baby Dream interlude at Fenway, so that kind of covered that for
2: me. That's you know? nice. That's that's real nice. Yeah. That's yeah. Great.
1: So like and then I mean this is deep Springsteen nerd talk, right? So it's like yeah. yeah, I've caught uh I think maybe look, the one big song I haven't seen with the band, but I saw it on Broadway was tougher than the rest. So that might be one if we're okay. looking at a big song. But yeah. I but I've seen it on Broadway and yeah. that's an interesting story too, if you Please, want to tell it. You, everyone knows how hard those tickets were. To yes, be. very hard. My brother was producing for the Indiana Pacers. He's a sports TV producer. And he and he goes, look, I got one day when I'm going to be in New York. Let's try for the lottery. And if we happen to win the lottery and then happen to get tickets for that day, like, let's go. And I'm living in Vegas. And and we did. I, I won the lottery. I was able to get us tickets for that day. So I flew into New York on a Friday saw the show Saturday, flew back to Vegas on Sunday. But here was the, the thing is like, you know, it's it's on Broadway in an old theater and those rows are super tight. Like, yes. you know, and I didn't expect that. And I've had, uh, I don't have an ACL in my right leg. So there's some okay. bendability issues going on. So okay. even getting into those seats, I, I was having difficulty with that. So I spoke to the usher and he's like, oh, you should have called us beforehand because you know we could have given you like a special seat and i was i was like well no i get that now but i didn't know and he goes okay well i'll find somewhere for you to sit and they put me right next to the sound guy oh nice for the entire show if ever there was an experience where you know people say like oh he it feels like it's just you like that was mine where it was like it was me and bruce and the sound guy and no one else in this thousand seed. That's awesome. It was pretty amazing and it was also one of those things where it's like you've heard all the stories oh everyone comes out crying and it's like yeah okay whatever. Yeah I wept like a baby so you know. Oh
2: yeah I I did there were a couple times in fact it was funny I got lucky and got a seat you know flew in from Dallas and um, the actually flew in the day of the show um because I just couldn't afford to stay two nights in New York, I just you know this was pushing it, so I flew in time enough to you know take a you know a, a ride into this little pod hotel that you know <laughs> the size of a cruise ship hotel, but it was all I needed, you know, so I was able to like you know shower and freshen up before and sure. I, I met someone at the at a th- restaurant right across from the theater and so I went and so we're before the show and I had heard stories about people um, not many, but a few people talking during the show. Right. And so I kind of reach, you know, I'm kind of looking at everyone like, Hey, hi everyone. Like, we're not going to have any problem with people talking. Are we (laughs) like, I'm just going to throw this out there. And this guy next to me says, the only sound you're going to hear is me crying. And if I cry too loud, you can, you can kick me. I'm like, no, no, no. If you're crying, I'm going to be right there with you. And uh, there were a couple of times I agree with you. There were times when I had tears and uh, it, it, it was something pretty special. I'm always grateful to my wife who let me go.
1: Yeah. It it was awesome. I'm, totally like excited at the idea of another e Street band tour but it's like yes. one of those things I'm excited about that I can't really get too excited about because it's not a reality right now not right now you yes. know so and if it means you know that they're playing in new zealand for a residency then maybe i'll have to get a work visa or something
2: yeah exactly <laughs> like don't you guys need a comedian to do a couple of you know like in a nearby club right don't you or do just you some need-
1: of them yeah like yeah. i'll sweep up after the show or something yeah exactly
2: like, like you know. uh yeah i you know i need to do the podcast about some uh, australian films <laughs> like you know for yeah. research look yeah. they'll come on you like my reviews like yeah you there we go
1: absolutely let me, let me carry guitars that's great me.
2: so all right that so. was a great story uh jason what else should i have asked you that i didn't
1: uh i don't i don't know what you should have asked me there's more stories but like you know we Please, can always share. do this again okay you know it's yes not i a would love deal, to do that so. again yes um yeah i uh i don't know i uh Look, the other thing, and I'm sure most of your listeners listened, was like, what a gift those um, Springsteen DJ sets were this summer. Oh, yes. You I'm know? so
2: glad you brought that up. Um, uh, I had, um, um, speaking of um, uh, Ron Martz, the comic book writer who Green Lantern and DC versus Marvel just done a lot of stuff. And, you know, I was talking to him about him. He said, (laughs) we know he's a gifted storyteller. Why are we, why are we, we shouldn't have been surprised that he can weave a story between telling stories and picking which songs to share right
1: it's it's so interesting because it's like you're looking forward to the song and then you hear a song and you're like no no i now i want to hear the next story and it's
2: like you know the first time my wife is not a big bruce fan um you know we have a mixed marriage and uh so we were driving somewhere and with one of one of the first sessions and um and we had it on and he's like she's like um I don't want him to play the records. I just want him to keep talking.
0: And she's yeah, like, "I'm cool. unusual."
2: And then, then after a while, she goes, "Okay, now I am enjoying the records. What a, we get really good." So, yeah, I, I think those have been just a, a real blessing for us.
1: I, I, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I'll probably go take a long drive to catch up on the ones I missed. Yeah. maybe next month. But uh, number seven, the 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 basically this the Jersey Rock short history of uh, yes. you know the sound of the jersey shore like i was like it was like oh you made a radio show for me thank you sir you know like you know like what an yeah. amazing show that was with the three of them all together
2: oh it was like you're listening to just old time literally what it was old friends just talking and yeah, yeah. you know at one but point, I, love, right? so,
1: I mean dude like come on uh the club soul city stuff like that yeah. that like those are things like like I didn't know that song before that
2: uh, no and like a couple times right like I how did this song never get on a record you know, yeah. and they, they're asking, and then I love the one like that was at midnight because I had it on my radio app, you know, I'm laying in bed listening. I felt like I was a kid again with a transistor radio, you know, listening to that and the one with him and Patty and just this sharing that friendship and that relationship with them together. It's just really cool.
1: It's funny. Cause you know, when you asked me what songs I'd want to hear, like, you know, like I, I remember at Shay, I saw quarter to three and Odds yeah. might've been on it, but like, wouldn't it be cool to see an 18 minute version of that from, you know, the 78 stuff or would Steven, you know, when they, in 96, when, uh, when they did the kind of like acoustic, I don't want to go home. you know, Oh, I'd like love that. to hear
2: that. So, yes. So, but
1: I mean, I'm fortunate, man. Like I've seen so many shows yes. and I've seen, like I said, some, I've been very fortunate to catch some of the ones that I did. So yeah. uh, my, most of my checklist has been checked off, but like, that doesn't, I mean, I'm excited for whatever, whatever is next. And I will, and you know, look, we all want like the sign requests. We all want those, like those rarities, you know, if you bring a sign for waiting on a sunny day, you're out of the pit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There it was. um, Yeah. My, uh, I had a guy who worked for me um, when I went to Nashville, I saw the Nashville show when, and 2014. Yeah. A kid had the sign, you know, uh, no satisfaction, right? Play Rolling Stones, no satisfaction, and Eddie's he's like, okay, if you had a kid, there's no way your daughter is going to a Bruce show asking for a Rolling Stones song. Yeah, but
1: I was at that show, by the way.
2: I was there too. Yeah, I yeah. love that show. I was really once again greedy, right? I was thinking maybe someone from Nashville will jump on, uh, because um. My first show was Dallas 2002, The Rising, and um, the, um, oh, damn it. Um, was it Alejandro? No. Um, the, um, our other resident musician, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on um, Don Henley. Don Henley joined him on stage, and they did I Fought the Law.
1: That's cool. Because Henley fun. lives
2: in the DFW area. yeah, And and I was like, you know, that was kind of special. Uh, and then one time, the other time in Dallas, uh, Bon Jovi was playing the next night. And so, yeah, he came man. on stage and they did Glory Days together.
1: Uh, let's see. I, I would have to really think of who I've seen. I definitely have seen Mike Ness from yeah. Social Distortion more than once. I mean, and those Shea shows had like,
2: you know, oh yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, so I saw. I remember I saw Dylan at one of the shows do. they did nice. Highway sixty one revisited, but whatever. Like whoever you get, you get. like, yeah, you get. That's it. Matter,
2: Absolutely. You know, so. all right. Um, so this has been great. But before I let you go, I gotta ask you the Mary question. Cool. So, so yes. go ahead. Okay. So Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And every year, his senior class then the honors class, they take they take two days out in their curriculum, and they break down Thunder Road as a poem. They go through all the lyrics. He looks at the imagery. He shares with themes that the song uh, explores. They talk about, they compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, and a lot of other poetry classics and at the end of the two days uh jay looks at the class and says does mary get in the car so jason that is your question does mary get in the get car at the end of thunder road
1: so here's my question to you what would you say is the breakdown percentage wise of what people have said so
2: great question um 60 40 yes
1: cool so i'm in, i'm fascinated by this thing that Jay Armstrong does, yeah. but it's unfair to ask that question if you haven't listened to the rest of the album. If you just look at the song and then ask the question, right. it's not really fair. And then again, I mean, so I thought about this and I'm, it's a yes. And the reason why it's a yes has less to do with the lyrics and more to do with the overall album and right. the kind of philosophy of the album. And you know, I'm guessing other people have said it, but as Springsteen has said many times, Thunder road is the invitation. Right. Right. So, you know, you got to have, you got to have someone to ride with if you're going to go on those adventures and uh, yes. you know, have the rest of, have the rest of the album. You you need someone to say yes to the invitation. So, so I, it's a yes
2: to me. I think that is a absolutely wonderful answer um, and very fair. Uh, and I think, and th- you're right. Other people have said that absolutely because that's, you know, that that's the beginning of the journey, right? Like that album is the beginning of the journey. And uh, you know, others have said yes, because um, you know, how else does um, she get pregnant and you know, it ends up being the river. Uh, that's, you know? that's
1: assuming that's the same Mary, right. right? So I would assume it's not because again, now you're just talking lyrically name, name, as opposed yeah. to the, the, inspiration behind the songs. And everything.
2: Now, I will tell you this. Someone mentioned to me, and I love this, he said absolutely she gets in the car because in Racing in the Street, when she, he says my baby uh, waits uh, on her daddy's porch, he said that's the same porch that she was dancing on in Thunder Road. Well,
1: that's nice. That's a very fun, that's like, you know, it's you're connecting in in very a. Uh, ob- up to obscure ways, but I like that answer. <laughs> I did too. See, I, was, right? I was just going on. I was basically going from the more historical, like, yeah. "Hey, what did what did Bruce say about it?" Type right, and then absolutely. He, you know, the rest yeah. of the album, but yeah, All who knows? Uh, All right,
2: no so Jason, uh, awesome movie, your podcast. How about social media? Where can we find sure. you? On social media? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm uh, Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. J Harris Comedy. On Twitter, and then Awesome Movie Year is pretty much the same thing. Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Okay. Um, if you end up listening to our podcast because you heard uh, this one, please let me know, and uh, we would love to uh, welcome all new listeners. And not just that, we love interacting with our listeners and getting suggestions of what to cover. We do sometimes cover listeners' choices. Uh, at the end of every season, we do an audience poll. So if there's something you want, that's a, you know, we would be yeah. we, interested. In it.
2: Do, I haven't got to hear the podcast yet. I've, I've, I added it to my feed. So I'm going to check out a couple episodes. Do you tell in advance what movie you're going to talk about so that uh, people can send you feedback in advance or or is it after the fact?
1: We kind of release what we're doing. Uh, well, we tell them a week in advance. Okay. So you know, if you hear this week's episode, which just came out and was the Goodbye Girl, you know, you, which was um, usually we do a Sundance winner, but since there was no Sundance in '77, we did uh, Golden Globe best best musical or comedy. Right. I got to so, tell you,
2: it may be cheesy. I love that movie. I remember watching it on cable and just just loving the the. You know, the funniest, and then like you know I, I felt so dejected by him when you know the weird version of Shakespeare that he ends up doing and he's depressed, and uh, that's a fun movie.
1: well, I mean, so you know you, you you will definitely have some disagreements with people on our show, and we would <laughs> we would welcome that feedback, but at the end of that show we tell you what's coming the next week. In this okay, case. well, good. Oh, I, will,
2: I will listen to that one next. And yes, and I, I have, that, look, Jason, I'm the guy that said, um, you know, that um, Jungle Land, eh, not that good of a song. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I mean, I understand the greatness. I understand the saxophone solo. I'm just saying it doesn't speak to me. Personally, there are other Springsteen songs that do move me and I get a little bit of crucifixion and i and i accept it i know i'm wrong but it's yeah, you know, still how i feel at that point bro so, <laughs> exactly you know, jason i'm not going
1: to take your side on the anti-jungleland jason's
2: this, like that's right? it i'm done like yeah. hey i'm not to talking to you jason i hope we just, get
1: an epic like that in uh in oh the wouldn't album. it be
2: great it would yeah. be awesome jason this is awesome i had so much fun talking to you thank you so much for joining me yeah
1: it's great uh, connecting yeah. with you and uh, i hope we'll we do it again do,
2: yeah we'll have to do it again uh you'll uh save up some of your other stories, get them knowing. Um I'll check out your podcast and then we'll, you know, uh maybe um later this year, early next year, we'll have you back and we'll kind of talk about how things are going. And uh we definitely want to hear what you think of the new album. So I'm uh, and I, I, mean, we and I was gonna say people. the same thing.
1: Whoever listens and, and of course you like let me know yeah. what you guys
2: think of it too because yeah. it's
1: all relevant. Hey, you know what I know we're gonna get though is uh at some point we'll get an awesome documentary because nobody does better music docs than uh Zimney and the Bruce. Oh teams. yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I've loved the two videos already, you know, that they've released them. So it's good. Yeah.
1: yeah we're going to, we're going to be in for some good stuff between that and whatever tracks two is coming and, oh, you know, yeah. Hey man, the wealth of creativity that he has is uh, is we've all been pretty fortunate to uh, experience it with it
2: absolutely all right um amazing uh, awesome movie year podcast be sure to check that out uh check out jason harris on twitter and social media listeners you take care of yourselves please be good to each other remember to social distance wash your hands wear an effing mask take care of yourself and we will talk to you soon goodbye this podcast would not be possible without the support of my wonderful patrons I want to say thank you to Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Dale Hozek, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Anna Lynn, Steve Rogers, Hollick McMillian, and Chris Bloom. All of you are wonderful people. I appreciate you so much, and thank you for supporting the podcast. You just heard the fun talk hard-rockin', music-loving, album-ranking, fan-thinking, joy-spreading, lyric-reading, story-sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set and Bruce. Set and Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set and Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.